At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Which side, kids? So glad you're here. So glad you get to have a great time learning. In Woodside, kids, right in your level, you're going to have a great time. Parents, thanks for all you're doing to help your kids know how beautiful Jesus is and what a difference he can make in their life. I love hearing the stories of how you're engaging with them with some of their papers they bring home or the, the Parent Q app where parents, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually experience their Bible story and some of their uh, tools they use for learning at home during the week on an app that, that we provide for you it's called Parent Q. Uh, it's a great way for you to stay engaged with what they're learning, that you can continue to be the spiritual hero in their life. And that's our desire. It's not that they think, I can learn about God at church, but they would think, I can also learn from God at church because their time with you is a part of their spiritual development and learning all about the God who loved them so much. He would send his one and only son. So thanks for all you're doing. Well, today we begin a series that I'm, I'm super excited about because it's, it's, it's all in this chapter, these two chapters in the book of 2 Corinthians that describes a church in action. And I don't know about you, but that gets me super excited. When I see a church in action, that moves me. I mean, the Bible tells a lot of different stories about people in action, which is great. You know, you think of David and how he trusted God and he defeated the giants and he led as a king and wonderful things. You think of, about Daniel and how his faith in God caused him to stay faithful even at the cost of being thrown into the lion's. Right? We think of Elijah and the way that he went and stood before a pagan king and, and professed his belief in God and uh, confronted him in his, in his idolatry. And uh, You think of even Jesus as he walked the earth and the disciples and some of the, the things that they did. And that's all so helpful and it, it helps us know God and his plan for our life. But I don't know, there's something special when I see a church in scripture on the move. A church that is making an impact because of how, the impact that Jesus has made in, in their individual lives. Because this has always been God's desire, is that his world would be affected by a family that is on mission for him. Not simply rescuing individuals, but rescuing people that will be brought into a family and now make an impact in their world. I love seeing it in action even today. I... I, I Talked about the food drive or the grocery giveaway coming up here in a couple of weeks. I love those because I love seeing people who are gifted in, in um, relationships and they're just 
vivacious in their personality, and they're out interacting with the guests that are there, getting them registered and welcomed and felt to feel, feel special. And then you've got some people that, hey, I just want to be behind the scenes. And they're packing boxes, and you've got these big, strong guys that are... All they can do is pick things up and put them down. And that's what they do. They pick them up and put them down, those big heavy boxes into the trunks of cars. I love to see a church in action. I love to see Hope Week. I don't know if you've heard about Hope Week, but it's, a, it's an event that's taken place at Woodside for the past uh, several years, maybe 15 years. It's where our teenagers from all the different campuses come together and they spend a week together. And their evenings are spent in passionate worship and challenging teaching. But their days are spent dispersed throughout the communities. They're feeding the homeless in Detroit. And they're doing kids uh, clubs in Pontiac. And they're hosting a soccer club in Dearborn. And in various other ways where they're making an impact in the world. But it's, it's not simply a group of believers coming together and, hey, isn't it great to be together? It's people that come together and say, ready, let's go. And then they go and they make an impact in the world. Love two years ago, and we look, think back to um, the water tower park that, that was renovated by, by Woodside family, but also partnering with several different businesses in the city, and how we took a park that was even dangerous for kids to play at, and it was transformed because of your labor of love into a place that parents loved to bring their kids to, knowing they would be safe. We did that. We, we didn't stay huddled in our little circle, but it was a church in action. So when we see glimpses of that in Scripture, I don't know about you, but I get really excited about that. Maybe because I love the church so much, and I hope you do. I don't think it's just because God has called me as vocationally to serve the church, right, as, as a pastor. I think it's because... He's planted that in all of our hearts. I want to be part of a group of people that we can support each other and encourage each other, but it's not just about one another. It's about together making an impact in the world. So I hope you get moved by that too. Even when you think of opportunities to make a difference in the world, you think, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I hope I'm free on that Saturday, or how can I make my schedule free so I can be, you know, those, those types of things. It, so, so, if, if, so if there's anything of that that excites you or energizes you, I think you're going to love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 as I do. Because it's an intriguing passage where Paul is writing a letter to a church in Corinth, giving them some instruction and he's also preparing them for his coming visit. So because it's 2 Corinthians, you can assume that there's probably a 1 Corinthians, right? He had already written them a letter. In fact, historians tell us there's probably a couple other letters that he wrote, but two are included, it, it were, were readily recognized as scripture. So 1 Corinthians, he wrote them this letter. Hey, this is what's got to happen. There's some challenges here and you need to address these things. 2 Corinthians says, hey, I heard how you, chant, you confronted some of these things. It's so good to hear. Here's some other questions you would ask me. Here's some answers. And then he gets to chapter 8 and 9 and says, and I got to tell you this. Because there's this church 
that didn't stay content with being in this little huddle of theirs, but they are making an impact far and beyond the geographical region of their ministry. He says, there is a church in action. We've entitled the series Overflow because as you, you'll see, that the church was active not simply because they took good vitamins and you know, had good nutrition and, and were in good physical shape. It's not because they had great opportunities that other churches didn't have. No, it's because they experienced the power of God in their life. And as they experienced that, they said, we can't help but do this. It was an overflow of the work that God had done in their life. I'm excited for you to see this. So uh, the specific situation that he is addressing is, is this need in the church of Jerusalem. He was coming to Corinth. He would soon be coming to Corinth again. And he would gather from them what he hoped would be some generous outpouring because there was a need in Jerusalem. We don't know specifically all that it was, but historians tell us that there was a famine in Jerusalem. We can assume that the church was also struggling from persecution because there was a great outlash after Jesus rose from the dead and and Jewish leaders and even the Roman officials began to come against the church and try to erase it. So people lost their jobs and their homes and their families because they were following Jesus. Add to that a famine, and there's great need. So Paul had asked the churches throughout the region that had been formed to, hey, now's the time for us to, us to help this church in Jerusalem. So can you find ways to help them in their time of need? So that's what he's writing to them about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 when, when he begins this, this, this portion of the letter. So read with me verse 1. We'll read through verse 8. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. He says, I want you to know about this church in action. This is incredible. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. And they gave beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Grace overflowing. Our series is titled Overflow, From Him, Through Us, To All. Let's see how this happens. How does God's grace overthrow, 
overflow through our lives. First of all, we see that grace overflows regardless of circumstances. Grace overflows regardless of circumstances. Verse 1, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. I want you to know about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. So Paul is helping the Corinthians know what happened in, these, in this region. In Macedonia, which has been, it would have been north of the city of Corinth, there were several major cities in that region, Thessalonica, Berea, Philippi. These churches, these, these regions had all received the gospel. People had placed their faith in him and churches had formed. Paul had spent time there. And now he's writing to Corinth saying, guys, you just got to hear what is happening. The grace of God has been poured out in these churches. Now, I don't know about you, but you read that, that first phrase and you maybe start with some assumptions. The assumption of, okay, so if grace of God has poured out there, I'll bet things are booming. They probably built new buildings. They probably have these incredible ministries that are taking place. Probably they're, they're, they're getting awards from the city council in that region. I mean, things are happening, right? The grace of God is being poured out on them. But that is not what Paul says. He, he, says, he says to them, he writes to them, the churches of Macedonia in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Like, wait a second. Those words don't really fit, Paul. Here's the churches of Macedonia. God's grace is poured out on them. And they have horrendous affliction. Oh, that doesn't sound like grace, does it? Do you want that kind of grace? Raise your hand if you love affliction. Put your hand in the air. Yeah. How many love the grace of God? Put your hand in the air. Huh. So make that work. So they've received the grace of God and they have extreme affliction. And then it says... They have an abundance of joy and extreme poverty. How many would love extreme poverty in your life? Raise your hand. How many would love extraordinary joy in your life? Raise your hand. Huh. So you're even saying, those words aren't fitting. But here's the crazy thing about God's grace is when you truly experience it, when your hearts are open to it, that your abundance of joy is not dependent on those circumstances. That the overflow of God's grace in you through others supersedes the outward circumstances that you may be experiencing. I love the word overflow. I love that it's even the title for our series because that's the mindset that we need to have as believers, that all that we do for Jesus should be 
overflow from what he's done to you. Overflow is that idea of, um, of a condition of considerable excess, right? That's what we love. We love the condition of considerable excess. I don't know if, if you've had teenagers, if you have teenagers in your home, if so, you've had the question that we've had as parents, hey, Dad, what do we... What, what kind of food do we have in the house? Right, Jamin came home. Jamin's with us. He typically lives out in Pontiac, Rochester area in his own apartment, finishing school while he's coming home because he needs help with some projects. So he comes home. What do you think is one of the first things he does? After he gives his mom and dad a hug, right? Then he goes to the cupboard to see what's in there. He goes to the fridge. To see what's in there. Why? Because he loves an abundance of excess. Because he lives on his own. Right? There's not an abundance of excess necessarily in that apartment. But home, hopefully, there is. We love that. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. Is the Macedonians have figured this out. That when God's grace truly hits your life, you have an abundance, an excess. So that what comes from you is from him. When I thought of this word, I thought of uh, back, I think it was April of 2020. The COVID season was still fresh. Things were shut down. And you remember how the supply chain was just in shambles, even when it comes to the grocery store, where we've just been so used to whatever you need, you go to the grocery store and it's there, Right? But there was a season there where you weren't sure what was going to be. You didn't know if there would be a supply of meat provided. You didn't know if there was, um, obviously, toilet paper is the biggest you remember. But there's plenty of other things that you just didn't know. So people were stocking up and things. Even the, the managers at Kroger, Chris, who's part of our family here, the manager of the grocery department at Kroger's, she couldn't say, well, it's supposed to be here, but I have no clue. Well, during that season, we got a call from Kroger that said, we have an abundance of bread items. Can you help us get it to the community? She said, well, absolutely. And so, of course, what do you do when you have a need? You call Joe DeRue. Joe DeRue, can you help us? Kroger's got a whole bunch of bread product. We need to get to the community. So he loaded up his trailer, took it over to Kroger's, and we, we piled that flatbed trailer with all kinds of breads and buns and bagels and all kinds of things. And then, and then we sit and say, okay, now what do we do? Well, let's make some calls. So we called the senior housing, and we called uh, Rolling Brook, and uh, we called these various people. We called many of you. We've got tons of food. We put it on Facebook. And so many of you came, and you grabbed bag loads, and you took to your neighborhood, and you took, to, and took them to, to friends and family, and the, the housing commission took a bunch of that, and pretty soon the trailer was completely empty. It was really interesting. The next day I went to Kroger, and there in their big aisles was this big pile of bread where you can get bread for 24 cents, a loaf of bread for 24 cents. And I thought, okay, there's overflow, right? There's an excess of abundance of this bread. But here's the cool thing 
about the church in Macedonia. They weren't generous with bread because they had a bunch of bread. They were generous with bread because they had an abundance of grace. They didn't equate overflow being, God, if you bless me with a bunch of material things, then I can be generous with material things. Instead, they said, God, you've blessed me with spiritual things, which enables me to bless with material things. This is hard for us as Americans to get our mind around. Because we tend to value these material things more importantly than we should. Where these material things certainly are gifts from God to meet our needs, but they're also tools for us to bless people around us. Not simply to create a kingdom for ourselves. So when we think of this church in action, Paul says, I want you to know about the churches in Macedonia. They were suffering persecution. They were suffering the loss of their homes, but they still realized that God's grace is so outweighing all of that, we can still bless the church in Jerusalem. So they gave in spite of their circumstances. They weren't driven by their circumstances. Secondly, we see in verse 3 that grace overflows beyond our limitations. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3 says, They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So they gave according to their means, first of all, and beyond their means, secondly. First, they gave according to what was in their power to do so. They looked at what they had and said, okay, we can give according to that. But then Paul says, but they went beyond that because that anybody can do it. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't even need that abundant grace of God to do that. If you have extra, you can share. Here's what they did. Secondly, they gave beyond their means. This was that deeper form of generosity. They gave more than they should have rightly given when you simply look at their physical means. Whoa. And then it says they gave of their own accord. In other words, they weren't guilted into this. They didn't require somebody to say, come on, you can give more. Come on, you can do that. No, they generously responded because they were so overwhelmed with the grace of God in their life. In fact, they longed, they begged for opportunity to do this. They longed for the opportunity to take part in the caring for the needs of the church in Jerusalem. And isn't this really how generous God has been to us? When, when you think of what Jesus has done, when you think of overflowing, you need to start first of all with well, what, how generous has God been to us? When Jesus came, his nature was full generosity, wasn't it? I mean, when you think of what was expected of Jesus as he was ministering and approached the, the um, 
the region where some lepers were residing, and his disciples tried to guard him and keep him on the road because they didn't want him risking his own health as, as Jesus was doing his ministry. But Jesus kind of pushed them aside, and he reached to the leper and touched them and healed them beyond expectation. You think of when Jesus was ministering and the kids came to him. They wanted to be blessed by him and the disciples said, no, 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 rabbis aren't bothered with kids. And Jesus said, no, guys, listen, let the kids come because it's the mindset and the heart set of a kid is what's required for the kingdom of God. So let the kids come. And of course, when Jesus went to the cross, far beyond any expectation. When he, when he humbled himself and washed the feet of the disciples, that was beyond expectation. Jesus was generous beyond simply the expectation. And when you think of the nature of God, I love Romans 8.32. If you haven't memorized that, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't underlined that in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do that. Romans 8.32 says, but God rich in his mercy who did not withhold his one and only son but freely gave him for us all will he not also with him freely give us all things that this is this is the nature of God who says I know your greatest need is that your sins be forgiven so I'm going to solve that problem but in addition I'm going to make sure you've got food and I'm going to make sure you have shelter and clothes. I'm going to make sure you have friends, that you're not alone. I'm going to make sure that your, that your health needs are cared for, that God is that generous God that says, I'm going to give beyond what you can imagine. That's the kind of nature that I have. And that's the God that's touched your life. That's his grace that's poured onto you. So you have the capacity to overflow to overflow how you live because of his rich grace poured into you. Check out the next verse. Verse 5 helps us see that grace overflows as giving of ourselves. I love this. It says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord... And then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, he should complete among you this act of grace. Titus was one of their leaders. He encouraged Titus, hey, continue to help the Corinthians understand this. Understand what? The example of the Macedonian churches when they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the mission. You see, living an overflow life begins first by committing one's life to God. A lot of times, people seek to be generous instead of giving themselves to God. What I mean by that is, God, this is my life, and I like my life. I've got some vices, but I've learned to manage them, right? And I've, it's kind of my coping ways. So this is, this is what I have. But I can tend to feel bad about some of those things that I keep owning 
right? And I keep saying, no, this is my life, God. You can, you can have this, but this is mine. So, so I'm going to be generous to people. And then when I can be generous, I feel a little better about myself. Now I don't have to deal with this. I'm a crank at work. And I talk a whole different language at work, right? But I, I, I don't want to change that. So instead, come the weekend, I'm going to serve in these various capacities or I'm going to be generous in this area so I don't have to mess with this. Well, that's not what they experience as overflow. What they experience as an abundant life, abundance of joy, right? That's what we want. You said you want abundance of joy. Well, what they experience is when I give myself first to the Lord to say, God, you're in charge. Whatever needs addressed in my life, I give you full permission. That that's where it begins. That's the first step. God, my life is not mine. I am not king. When I am king, I make a mess of this. So I'm giving my life to you. That that's where abundant joy begins. Second step is then say, and now I want to do what you've called me to do as an overflow of my surrender to you. Paul had addressed the Romans with this similar thing. There's a very familiar verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice fully acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And the next verse says, so that you may know what is the will of God. Many people struggle with, I don't don't know, there's there's this need and maybe I'm supposed to address this need. I I don't know. Should I? Well, let's, let's ask the question first. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Can you honestly say, God, my life is yours? Because if you've done that, God will give you the guidance for discerning what is his will. A lot of people, a lot of times people struggle with this idea of overflow and generosity. And they say, well, yeah, but but I, I just feel like I'd be emptied. Right? Because if I respond to every need... How in the world is that sustainable, right? Is that what Christians are supposed to do with it? Anytime there's a need, boom, there we are, and pretty soon we're all, we can't do this. Here's the cool thing. This economy that God has laid out is such a beautiful thing. He said, well, first, instead of thinking about what's it going to do to you, first of all, say, what am I going to do for God? First, God, my life is yours. I give myself to you. Believing that then with my life in your hands, you will help me discern what is your will for my life. Just because there's a need doesn't mean it's a calling. But once I give myself to Jesus, I can discern what is the calling of my life. You following? So here's what Paul was saying to the Corinthians about the Macedonians. Guys, there's a church on the move, and I want you to know about them because I think God has a message for you. This church in Macedonia has offered themselves fully to God, that everything is his. And they've been able to discern that he's calling them to help the church in Jerusalem. So because they're fully God's, they realize God's calling us to this. They've stepped boldly into it, and they're finding abundant joy by being generous, even beyond their means, and caring for this need. And I want you to do the same.
In fact, I've told Titus, one of your leaders, to help you understand this principle because this is where abundant living is found. Jesus described himself to a woman that he ministered to, the woman at the well. Do you remember that story? One of the ways he helped her understand him, he said to her that I am the living water, I am the the fountain or the spring of living water. If you come to him and drink, you'll never thirst. That's a huge concept for us to understand as his followers. I hope this isn't too crass. Um, raise, raise your hand if you have, a, if you have a, a puppy, if you have a dog. You have? Okay, some of you. How many have cats? All right, some of you too. Okay, forget about cats. Let's think about dogs. <laughs> Probably works for cats too, but I don't have a cat. I don't know about your dog, but my dog, he's got a food bowl and a water bowl, and we try to remember to feed and water the pet, right? We do pretty well, but every once in a while, Russell lets us know that we've forgotten something in our day, that even though yesterday we filled his water bowl and his his dog dish, that Russell's discovered that after 24 hours or so, that food disappears and the water is gone. And so he'll come to us and he'll give us that look like, what in the world are you thinking? And he'll try to speak to us. I don't fully understand it. Sometimes it takes a while. But eventually have so much panic that I realize something's wrong. Oh, no, he didn't fill his water dish, right? So he, he loses his sense of peace. He's anxious because his water dish is empty. But have you ever seen one of those gravity-fed water bowls? Right, maybe there's a two-liter bottle and a bowl underneath or a bigger thing or whatever, right? Well, I think that's ingenious because the, the owners of those things have figured out that actually there's the bowl and as long as that reservoir is filled, that bowl will never go empty. And so I never have to deal with an anxious puppy because the bowl is always filled. Well, let's, let's kind of move it from the limited reservoir. Think of a spring. Think of a watering hole that is spring-fed, that when those animals need their fluids, they need their hydration, they always know, because there's a f- spring here, I can always drink from the spring. And that's what the Macedonians were experiencing. We have found that our water bowl never runs out. It's not like there's a reservoir, so we hope the reservoir... No, there's a spring that somewhere, somehow, just continues to fill us. And we experience persecution, and we've even experienced extreme poverty, but we found that, the, that our watering bowl still is full. So I don't have to fear anything. We can just serve Jesus wherever he calls us. We do it because we know our water bowl will be filled. 
that this is the journey of the Christian life, that, that we can push aside anxiety, and I'm not sure if I should do this, because am I going to drive? Well, actually, give yourself to Jesus, trust that your water bowl will always be filled, and do everything he's asked you to do. And you have nothing to fear. Jesus says, I am the spring of living water. I will always satisfy and provide for everything I've called you to do. Isn't that an amazing way to live? And folks, that's what I want to continue to pursue. That's what I want you to continue to pursue, a lifestyle based on a God who has an infinite supply of grace for you. To not live your life based on this idea that we only get this, so how can we go through life maintaining this and maybe sharing when they've got a little bit of excess. No, that's not what it is. This is overflow. This is abundant spring that will never dry, pouring into us so that we can generously give to others. I encountered this incredible story of what's happening in India. It's a, there's an Indian term for it, in the, in, it but, but it's the translated term, handful of rice. And in the villages throughout India, thousands of churches are participating in the handful of rice movement, where every time they make a meal, which rice is their staple, every time they make a meal, they take one handful and put it in a container. So if they have one meal a day, they take one handful once a day. If they have two meals a day, they take a handful twice a day. And when that container gets full, they bring it to the church who collects it. And then through either selling some of that rice or ministering to the poor with that rice, they're able to make a dramatic impact in the nation of Israel with a handful of rice. This is one of the most impoverished people in the world. But they, what they've learned is... Every day that we have something to eat is a day that we have something to give. Isn't that incredible? Last year, they were able to serve in the mission of God with over $13 million of resources to help plant churches and care for the poor in that region. $13 million. One handful at a time. I wonder if having so much, we've allowed ourselves to be too paralyzed. I wonder if instead, if we went into our lives thinking, God, if you've given me a day to eat, you've given me a day to be generous because I have something to share. This is abundant life, and I want to find it. I want to pursue it. I want to experience all the abundant joy that God has available for us in this life, and I want you to, too. And it comes by first, give yourself to Jesus. Maybe that's a question that we have to ask ourselves first. Are you still trying to own your life? Is there still something that's convinced you that you are a better God than he is? 
and that you know better what's needed in your life or are you willing to finally humble yourself before him and say, God, you're matchless. I could never do what you do. And so I say to you, my life is fully yours. Every closet, every cupboard, all those things that I've been trying to protect and preserve for myself, I give to you. If you start there, you will find his spirit will say, that's a beautiful thing now. Let me help you experience your full purpose in life. And let's go change the world. Let's be a church in action on the move. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your willingness to use us, Father. Thank you for examples of, of people and churches that have experienced the joy of being fully devoted to you and your mission. I thank you for the example of Jesus and how he's given to us, Lord, that, uh, that clear example of humbling oneself and, and living for the needs of others. Father, I, I pray that we now, as we contemplate this, as we think about our own life and we think about how we're living Father, I pray we'd see it accurately. That we consider, Lord, if we are, we are tight-fisted around what we have, whether it's our time or whether it's our things or our toys or our retirement or our future, Father, I pray we'd hold all that up to you and say, Lord, it's yours. I finally admit what I know has been true, that all of this is yours. And then, Lord, as we live that out, I pray, Father, for opened eyes to see what is your plan for, for then how to impact our world. We're so grateful for all you've done. We're grateful for you speaking to us today. And I pray we'd respond as you've spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.